Section 13. The Art of Worldly Wisdom. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Linda Sonrisa, Servision.org. The Art of Worldly Wisdom by Balthasar Gracian. Translated by Joseph Jacobs. Section 13. 101. One half of the world laughs at the other, and fools are they all. Everything is good or everything is bad according to the votes they gain. What one pursues, another persecutes. He is an insufferable ass that would regulate everything according to his ideas. Excellences do not depend on a single man's pleasure. So many men, so many tastes, all different. There is no defect which is not affected by some, nor need we lose heart if things please not some, for others will appreciate them, nor need their applause turn our head, for there will be surely others to condemn. The real test of praise is the approbation of famous men and of experts in the matter. You should aim to be independent of any one vote, of any one fashion, of any one century. 102. Be able to stomach big slices of luck. In the body of wisdom, not the least important organ is a big stomach, for great capacity implies great parts. Big bits of luck do not embarrass one who can digest still bigger ones. What is a surfeit for one may be hunger for another. Many are troubled, as it were, with weak digestion, owing to their small capacity being neither born nor trained for great employment. Their actions turn sour, and the humors that arise from their undeserved honors turn their head, and they incur great risks in high place. They do not find their proper place, for luck finds no proper place in them. A man of talent, therefore, should know that he has more room for even greater enterprises, and above all, avoid showing signs of a little heart. 103. Let each keep up his dignity. Let each deed of a man in its degree, though he be not a king, be worthy of a prince, and let his action be princely within due limits. Sublime in action, lofty in thought, in all things like a king, at least in merit, if not in might. For true kingship lies in spotless rectitude, and he need not envy greatness who can serve as a model of it. Especially should those near the throne aim at true superiority, and prefer to share the true qualities of royalty, rather than take parts in its mere ceremonies, yet without affecting its imperfections, but sharing in its true dignity. 104. Try your hand at office. It requires varied qualities, and to know which is needed taxes attention and calls for masterly discernment. Some demand courage, others tact. Those that merely require rectitude are the easiest, the most difficult those requiring cleverness. For the former, all that is necessary is character. For the latter, all one's attention and zeal may not suffice. Tis a troublesome business to rule men, still more fools or blockheads. Double sense is needed with those who have none. It is intolerable when an office engrosses a man with fixed hours and a settled routine. Those are better 
that leave a man free to follow his own devices, combining variety with importance, for the change refreshes the mind. The most in repute are those that have least or most distant dependence on others. The worst is that which worries us, both here and hereafter. 105. Don't be a bore. The man of one business or of one topic is apt to be heavy. Brevity flatters and does better business. It gains by courtesy what it loses by curtness. Good things, when short, are twice as good. The quintessence of the matter is more effective than a whole farrago of details. It is a well-known truth that talkative folk rarely have much sense, whether in dealing with the matter itself or its formal treatment. There are that serve more for stumbling stones than centerpieces, useless lumber in everyone's way. The wise avoid being bores, especially to the great, who are fully occupied. It is worse to disturb one of them than all the rest. Well said is soon said. 106. Do not parade your position. To outshine in dignity is more offensive than in personal attractions. To pose as a personage is to be hated. Envy is surely enough. The more you seek esteem, the less you obtain it, for it depends on the opinion of others. You cannot take it, but must earn and receive it from others. Great positions require an amount of authority sufficient to make them efficient. Without it, they cannot be adequately filled. Preserve, therefore, enough dignity to carry on the duties of the office. Do not enforce respect, but try and create it. Those who insist on the dignity of their office show they have not deserved it and that it is too much for them. If you wish to be valued, be valued for your talents, not for anything adventitious. Even kings prefer to be honored for their personal qualifications rather than for their station. 107. Show no self-satisfaction. You must neither be discontented with yourself, and that were poor-spirited, nor self-satisfied, and that is folly. Self-satisfaction arises mostly from ignorance. It would be a happy ignorance, not without its advantages, if it did not injure our credit. Because a man cannot achieve the superlative perfections of others, he contents himself with any mediocre talent of his own. Distrust is wise and even useful, either to evade mishaps or to afford consolation when they come, for a misfortune cannot surprise a man who has already feared it. Even Homer nods at times, and Alexander fell from his lofty state and out of his illusions. Things depend on many circumstances. What constitutes triumph in one set may cause a defeat in another. In the midst of all incorrigible folly remains the same with empty self-satisfaction, blossoming, flowering, and running all to seed. 108. The path to greatness is along with others. Intercourse works well. Manners and taste are shared. Good sense and even talent grow insensibly. Let the sanguine man then make a comrade of the lymphatic, and so with the other temperaments, so that without any forcing the golden mean is obtained. It is a great art to agree with others. The alternation of contraries beautifies and sustains the world. If it can cause harmony in the physical world, 
still more can it do so in the moral. Adopt this policy in the choice of friends and defendants. By joining extremes, the more effective middle way is found. 109. Be not censorious. There are men of gloomy character who regard everything as faulty, not from any evil motive, but because it is their nature to. They condemn all. These for what they have done, those for what they will do. This indicates a nature worse than cruel, vile indeed. They accuse with such exaggeration that they make out of motes beams wherewith to force out the eyes. They are always taskmasters who could turn a paradise into a prison. If passion intervenes, they drive matters to the extreme. A noble nature, on the contrary, always knows how to find an excuse for failings, if not in the intention, at least from oversight. 110. Do not wait till you are a sinking sun. Tis a maxim of the wise to leave things before things leave them. One should be able to snatch a triumph at the end, just as the sun, even at its brightest, often retires behind a cloud so as not to be seen sinking and to leave in doubt whether he has sunk or no. Wisely withdraw from the chance of mishaps, lest you have to do so from the reality. Do not wait till they turn you the cold shoulder and carry you to the grave, alive in feeling, but dead in esteem. Wise trainers put racers to grass before they arouse derision by falling on the course. A beauty should break her mirror early, lest she do so later with open eyes. End of section 13